Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful that you teach us, you admonish us, you correct us, you discipline us, you love us through this word. And this morning as we go to your word together, we pray that our hearts would be pliable. We pray that we will be receptive. We pray that we'll be moldable, that we'll be malleable, willing to change. And we pray, Lord, that we will be like clay in the potter's hand. Bless me today, Father, uh, that I would not speak, but that only you would speak. Um, Help me, Lord, to get out of the way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of words used in our world today. Uh, Macho. Machismo. Bravado. Uh, he's a man's man. You know, all these words kind of describe the picture, you know, that quintessential picture of what a man's supposed to be today. And uh, in America, we picture a man, you know, that if he's the best, if he's the epitome, he's muscular and he's strong and he's intelligent, and he's good looking. And beyond that, he's sexy. And uh, he's the perfect image of what every man should be. He's athletic. He's competitive. He's, he's, he's able to take on and, and defeat every opponent in his life. He is uncommonly handsome. Women swoon when they see him. At the same time, he's a shrewd businessman. He's able to get his work done easily. He can fix just about anything and not even be like Tim Taylor who has to go to uh, the emergency room every time he gets hurt or something. He is a person that everyone admires. He's a, a, you know, a champion father. He's a wonderful husband. And yet somehow he's on the list of the ten sexiest men in the world. Uh, How is that possible? Who can fit such a description? The only person I can think of is Brad Pitt. (laughs) He doesn't do really that well. (laughs) He's got his flaws too, just like the rest of us. And so we we have this image in America of what a man's supposed to be. And it just doesn't work, does it? It's unattainable. It's unreasonable. It's unrealistic. It's unreachable. This world has painted a picture of a man that is... uh, Warped, kind of skewed. There's no way that that's going to happen. Guys end up, can feel, feel defeated even before they begin somehow sorting out their manhood, what they're supposed to be in this world. Now I wonder if we have some of the same problems with that word father. What is fatherhood? Where do we find the definition of that? Perhaps we have trouble with that too. Some of us have had good fathers, many have not. Do we even know what a father is supposed to be, really? Our society has probably given us more bad examples than good examples, hasn't it? Many fathers just haven't been around for their children. They've abandoned their families, totally. Others are so disconnected that even though they're in the same household, they're really not involved, really not participating. They're just there. They sleep there at night. They eat the meals, and they get showers there. But they're not really connected to anyone there. They're kind of emotionally absent. In more homes than we want to admit, many fathers are abusive, aren't they? Uh, They terrorize their families. And we see an awful lot of that today. Thankfully, there are good fathers. There are some good fathers in this room today. There are some men who care. There are those who take responsibility to love their wives and their children, to care for their families very seriously. They sacrifice. They go the extra mile. They take time to get involved in their kids' lives, and they know what's going on there. 
they show how important those children are to them. They are not perfect fathers. They make mistakes. They find themselves apologizing from time to time. But their kids know deep down that they really love them. Jane and I are both very grateful for the fathers that God gave us. Uh, we look up to them. We admire them. We know that they are godly men who care about us, who will do anything for us. They give us much more than we deserve. And we thank God for the examples that they have set before us and still set before us at 78 and 88 years old. I still live in living at large, living manhood as it's supposed to be in God, and we appreciate that. But perhaps that has not been your experience. Perhaps your father wasn't as loving or as responsive or as responsible as ours were, because we live in a fallen world. We live in a flawed world, a world of pain and heartache. In this world, sometimes we get wounded by the people who are closest to us, people who should know better. We are wounded, but there is hope. There is hope. Our men's Bible study has been studying John Eldridge's book called Wild at Heart the last few months. And two weeks ago, two lessons ago, we talked about the wound that many men have received, many men struggle with, women too. Eldridge says things like this. Most men probably didn't have a perfect growing up time. No father is perfect, no mother is perfect. Often the children are wounded. Boys aren't able to hear that they have what it takes to become a man. Girls don't hear how beautiful, how desirable they are, what, what their lives could be. In some cases, boys, he said, receive wounds like shotgun blasts to the chest, physical, sexual, or verbal abuse carried on for years. In other cases, boys receive subtle, almost cancerous, hidden wounds, which can be just as harmful. These can be in the form of omission, an absent father, a passive a remote father who has difficulty connecting. He may be a workaholic dad that, that never finds quality time for his children. And in our study, we realize that the big thing that every boy wants to hear, wants to know, needs to know, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to someday be a man, to someday live out what God wants me to be in my life? And he needs to have someone Hopefully his father, who will somehow indicate, communicate to him that he is significant, that he is valuable and valued. He needs to be affirmed. Girls, too, need this from their fathers and mothers. They need to know that they are valuable and valued, and, and they need their father's blessing. But many children have missed this because their fathers didn't know to give it. They didn't receive it. They don't know how to pass along. It's kind of a generational thing, isn't it? Generation after generation, one father never receives the affirmation, never receives the value, never receives the significance from his father, and so he doesn't know how to pass it on. And generation after generation, we're wounded. We're missing that. I'm pretty sure there are some people here this morning that have been wounded and hurt by their fathers. Because some, to some degree, all of us are wounded. But there is hope. Don't you remember that? There is hope. All men, all fathers in particular, are wounded. We are fallen creatures who make many mistakes. We didn't receive what we should have. We can't pass along what we don't have. We say things we shouldn't say, and we forget to say things we should. We do things we shouldn't do, and we forget to do things that we should do. We are wounded. 
and we wound other people. And saddest of all, the people that we wound are the people we care the most about. But there is hope. There is hope in God. God the Father, as I said, God the Father, can bring hope to all of us, can bring healing to all of us. He can heal the wounds that we have received through our past experiences, through people who should have loved us but didn't, who should have cared for us but didn't, who should have given us significance but they didn't. God can show us how to live, how to properly father our children and our grandchildren. Men, this is an opportunity for us to learn what a father really is and to get it right. In God, we find the one true father, the one perfect father who always wants and does what is best for his children. He's flawless in the way he interacts with us. He's made us his sons, his daughters. He wants us to have his blessing, his affirmation, his validation for our lives, for who we are. He wants to bring healing and wholeness to our minds, to our souls, to our spirits. And he wants to begin by setting a good example of what a father is so that we know how to love and to father our children and grandchildren. See, a father has tremendous influence. Tremendous influence in the lives of his children. Now, that can be for good or bad, but the influence is there. We have to recognize that. And what he does or doesn't do has a great impact on their lives. So we've got to get this right. And the only way to get it right is to turn to God and ask him to show us the way. So the question of today's sermon, who's your daddy, is really the question is, where do you go? Where do you look if you want to know what a father is? How do you know what a father's supposed to be unless you look at the perfect example of God as our father? Would you go to the world? Would you go to your past experiences? Would you go to the, the, the fallen, uh, flawed form of a father that maybe you had in your life? Or would you go to that perfect example? Is your daddy God? In Galatians 4, 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son or daughter. And since you are a son or daughter, God has made you also an heir. Abba, Father. This is a term of endearment, a very close, intimate term. It's closest approximation in our language would be daddy. Or perhaps you would use papa or da or dada. It's kind of hard to think of God in those terms, but that's what we're invited to do through scripture. Jesus did this. The son of God, the begotten son of God called God his daddy, his Abba. And we are invited to do the same. We find this same thing in Romans 8 where Paul writes this, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, that is by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Spirit himself testifies with our, our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So he's invited us and adopted us into his family. And we are invited to have this intimate relationship that calls God Daddy. 
The word father conjures up a lot of different images for us. Our life experiences have all been different. Depending on what kind of father we may have had, our concept of what our father is and does is different. Some had a loving, compassionate father. Some had an abusive, kind of tormented father. Some are drawn to God when they hear that he's our heavenly father. And some people run away from God when they hear that he's a father because they run away from their fathers. I remember one young lady that we knew who had been abused by her father for years from the time she was about five or six. And when she became a Christian and we taught her that we're supposed to pray, our father who art in heaven said, I can't do that. I can't talk about God that way. I I can't think of God that way. She didn't want to call God her heavenly father because the image of a father had been ruined in her life. And so she had to first kind of retool herself to think of what a good father is so that then God could become her father. If that somehow reflects your experience, I want to encourage you today. Uh, I want to encourage you, don't take your understanding of the Bible, what the Bible says, uh, according to your experiences. Don't try and, and, and take your understanding from, from experiences rather from the Word of God. Take it from Scripture. The key is not to understand the Bible based on your experiences, but to understand your experiences based on the Bible. That's how you get it right in life. So we can all benefit from what the Bible is saying about God the Father. And I want to just briefly itemize the things that the Bible says about God. God is Father, God and how He relates to His children his adoptive children, those he's called us to be sons and daughters of him. Look at these with me together. What does the Bible say about our daddy? First of all, it says that this daddy is willing to pay any price in order to save us. He's willing, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, to save us. Romans 8.32 says that he who spared not his own son, how he will not, how he will not also willingly give us all things. God is willing to pour it on, to do whatever it takes in order for us to save, to save us because he gave his very son in order to do that. He was willing to sacrifice Jesus. And by giving us Jesus to pay our sin, sin penalty, God was saying, I will do whatever it takes to save you, my child. Fathers, I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to do the same for your children? I imagine you are, at least you think you are. You think you would give your very life to save your child. Will you give your daily life for their spiritual salvation? Will it be the priority of your life that your children would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? That no matter what else happens in your life, whatever else you could give them, whatever it might cost to give it to them, that the priority would be that you would see them saved and you would see them come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Is there any other greater priority than that? You want them to have a good education. You want them to have a good job. You want them to be able to be responsible. You have all these dreams for them. Is your dream that your child would be saved and walk with the Lord? This father always is ready to meet our needs, every need. He takes care of us. He takes care of us in every way imaginable. Now, most fathers will do that. Say, I provide. I take care of my children. I take care of every physical need they have. I make sure they have a roof over their head, bread on the table, and and clothing on their backs. 
Many fathers take pride in that, that they're able to take care of their families, and they'll work hard. They'll work two or three jobs in order to accomplish that. They'll find a way to do that. But let me ask you fathers again, are you only concerned about the physical needs? Are you also as a father concerned about their spiritual needs and their emotional needs? This father, God, is ready to meet every need all the way through, top to bottom, inside and out. Is that your desire as a father? Father God loves us so much that he's willing to discipline us so that we can become mature in life. Hebrews 12, 5 and following says that, that God disciplines us because he loves us. He punishes us or brings hardship into our lives in order to put us on the right path and to help us become stronger in life. Listen to this, Hebrews 12, 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Fathers, do you love your children enough to give them the standards that they have to, to live by? Then hold them and yourself accountable to those standards. Do you raise the bar in your household? Are you the one that does that or does mom? Are you the guy that just sits back and say, well, mom will do the spiritual stuff. Mom will be the one to teach them right or wrong. I'm just there to make sure there's food on the table and a roof over their head and clothing on their back. That's what I'm there for. No, God has made you the spiritual leader of your family. And he expects you to be the one that raises the bar, that sets the standard and says, this is how we live. This is what life is about in this household because we are living here for God. So be a father. Teach your children. Discipline your children. And you will see their lives progress. Number four, even when we disobey God, even when we rebel against God, our Father continues to do whatever is best for us. He doesn't give up. He doesn't stop trying. He doesn't stop uh, trying to influence, to guide us. Even when we are faithless, the Bible says, He is faithful. He doesn't back down. He doesn't give up. And the fifth characteristic goes with that. His love is not conditional. It doesn't depend on what you can or cannot do. It doesn't depend on whether you love him in return or not. His love is not reactionary. He loves us regardless of how we treat him. And fathers, here's a really tough one, isn't it? Here's a really tough one because too often our love is conditional. We get miffed at our children and we withdraw. They don't perform the way we wanted them to. And, and we get quiet. We're just not involved anymore. We're disappointed. We're disillusioned. We're upset with it. And so we pull back. God doesn't do that. God hangs in there even when the, his children rebel, even when his children ignore him, even when his children try to push him out of their lives. Our love is given and taken away, but not God's. So strive to make your love unconditional, like God's love. For us, you may be disappointed, you may be heartbroken at what your kids can do, what you'll watch them do, but don't ever give up on them. Pray for them. Love them. Hang in there for them. 
final thing that I see about God is mentioned throughout these scriptures we've used today, that he makes us heirs. Makes us heirs in his family. He reserves a home for us in heaven. Romans 8, 16 and 17 again says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now, children, we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. 1 John 3, 1 adds kind of an exclamation point to that. He says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. We are the children of God. If you have not known God this way, if this has not been your experience, if maybe your experience of fatherhood makes you think, I don't want any part of a heavenly father, I don't want any kind of father. Maybe your life has been a life of of, uh, wounds and disappointment and pain. I want you to know there is a father who loves you beyond your ability to understand that. Beyond your ability to receive that kind of love. There is a father who loves you to that, to that degree. There is a father named God who wants to be your daddy. He is the Lord of the universe. He is the creator of everything that we will ever know. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. But he loves you. And he wants a personal, intimate relationship with you. He wants you to come before him in love and thanksgiving and praise and And just draw close to Him. Admit your faults. Admit your weakness. Admit all the things in your life that are are messed up. And He'll love you anyhow because He already knows about them. You're not going to surprise Him. You're not going to inform Him about something that He was unaware of. In fact, He knows what's going on in your heart better than you do. And He loves you anyway. He loves you so deeply. And He loves you with an everlasting love, an unconditional love that will not give up on you that will hold out its hand to you, its arm to you, until one day you come home. Is it today? Is this the day that you would come home to God? Is this the day that you would learn to draw close to God and to be able to to, uh, respond to God, to receive His love in a very intimate, personal way? We want to give you the opportunity to do that today. And we're going to sing a song together. It's a really simple song, As the Deer. Uh, pants for living water, so my soul pants after you, O oh God. Just a simple saying, God, I need you, I want you. Just as a deer needs to have water, I need you. As we sing that song, I want to invite you to come forward. I want to invite uh, some of our elders to come up and just be here at the front. If you have a, a need in your life, if you have a wound in your life, if you have a desire in your life uh, for you to to find God and to find God in your life, we want to invite you to come forward while we're singing. Then after the service concludes, you can very privately meet with the persons come up, one of the elders or me, and pray with them, and, and we'll talk about whatever's on your heart, whatever's going on in your life. Maybe today has dredged up some wounds. Maybe it's dredged up some things that, that uh, you need to wrestle through. Maybe you've just seen God lifted up as that perfect Father, and you are drawn to Him. He is... He is, uh, is, is like a magnet that you're drawn to. <clears throat> I want you to have a very serious time of, of decision-making. And if you need prayer, if you need guidance, if you need help, why don't you come forward while we're singing together. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, and you can come forward. Let's pray together just before we do that. Father, I thank you for your love that is... Uh, is so much deeper, so much more powerful than we've even experienced to this point. 
I thank you for uh, your faithfulness. That when uh, we have, have uh, rebelled, when we've walked away, you have been faithful. And as, uh, as a deer pants for water, our souls pant for you. Our souls long for you. If there's anyone here today, Father, that needs you and has never found you, never drawn close to you, may they do that today, Lord, through faith. May they put their confidence in Jesus Christ today. Just as they ask for prayer, as they ask for uh, some guidance, I pray that hearts would be open to you. That no one would resist, no one would say, well, that'll happen someday. No, today. Let's do it today. Let's deal with this today. And let's begin that journey of healing and of hope and uh, for the new life that each of us can have only in you. Uh, bless us today, Father. Help those who need to make decisions to have the courage just to step out and ask for help, ask for prayer, ask for guidance as we share together in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Let's, let's sing to the Lord. If you have his